Today on Rooted Daily, we talk about a kiss from God. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less each day, we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God. I'm Brandon Levy, and today we're going to talk about how we can be kissed by God. You know, First John tells us, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. First John 4, 7 through 8. True love comes from God because God is the source. He is love. And so as 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We know how to love because we have learned it from the master. We are loving at our best when we are emulating God. Now, Psalm 85 tells us about God's kind of love, saying that love and faithfulness meet together, righteousness and peace kiss each other. But the psalm starts out by telling us that we aren't worthy of that kind of treatment, that kind of love, because God is righteous and we are not. The psalmist says that God has to turn his wrath away from us, his fierce anger away from us. In verse 5, the psalmist acknowledges this when he asks God, will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? God is love, but we don't deserve God. Ephesians 2 shows us why God is right to be angry, where Paul writes, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. God is righteous, but we choose to be unrighteous. As Romans 3, 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we became objects of God's wrath. You don't deserve his love or his forgiveness, but he gives it anyway. As Psalm 85, 2 says, you forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. And this wasn't because of something we did. Psalm 85 says, You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your fury. You turned away your burning anger. Restore us, O God, of our salvation and cause your indignation toward us to cease. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the captivity of Jacob. It's not about us. It's all about him. This is the basic difference between every other philosophy and religion in the world and biblical faith. The world is focused on us, but the Bible is focused on God. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9 says, Because of his great mercy for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. All I need is the blood of Jesus Christ. And when I have that, 
I have a free pass into heaven. All, all I need to do to accept that free gift is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, to repent or turn away from the sins in my past, to confess Jesus as my Lord and master and be buried in the waters of Christian baptism, to rise up a new creature in Christ and live my life for God from that day forward. And that sounds great because when I look in the mirror, I know I don't measure up to the glory of God. And this tells me, though, that God loves me despite my failures. But what if I've done something so awful that I can't be loved by God? What if I am so foul that God can't bring himself to kiss me? Jesus knew we might deal with those sorts of insecurities. And so he told us the parable of the prodigal son. He said, there is a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out for a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Then so he got up and he went to his father. And this son, he recognized that he, he couldn't do things on his own. He thought he could manage his life on his own before, but he made mistake after mistake. And eventually, in his mind, he knew that what he had done was so wrong that his father would never be able to forgive him. He would never be able to go back to the love of his family again. But maybe, just maybe, his father would show him an ounce of pity and let him become a servant for the house. And he practiced what he'd say to his dad. He's, he was going to tell his dad, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men, according to Luke 15, 18 through 19. He could never pay back his father for the inheritance that he had squandered. He could never do enough good to make the pain and the sorrow that he had caused his family go away. But he needed to eat. And so he started back home. How easy is it for us to get in the same position as the son, to be vividly aware of how we caused our own pain, how we caused our own suffering, and knowing deep down that we no longer deserve love or compassion. But notice how Jesus ends his parable. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him, Luke 15, 20. The father kissed his son. He welcomed him back. The son tried to interrupt saying, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father didn't hear those words. The father said to his servants, quick, 
Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and it is alive again. He is lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Luke 15, 22 through 24. The father kissed the son who came home. No matter how far we have drifted away, God is waiting at the front door of his kingdom. We have the opportunity to be kissed by the father, no matter how foul the sins of our past are. But we have to come home. That'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. And I'm looking forward to sitting down and talking with you next time. Hey, thanks for watching this episode of Rooted Daily. We're praying that you're growing with us as we study the Bible and use God's word as our only foundation. If you appreciate this content and want to make sure that others see it, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app and hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, shoot me an email to brandon at rooteddaily.com right now.